Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Before we jump into the show, I want to let you know that my signature course, Brand Strategy 101, is now open for enrollment inside the Brand Design Masters Academy. This is a foundational course for creative professionals and entrepreneurs who want to get started with brand strategy so you can sell bigger projects, increase your fees for the creative work you already do, and get paid for the thinking and advice you've probably been given away for free. The moment you enroll, you get immediate lifetime access to seven modules of training with over eight hours of instructional videos, 25 lessons in all, plus 24 downloadable strategy tools and conversation guides. In Brand Strategy 101, I've taken complex strategic methodologies used by the world's most respected global branding agencies and crafted them into a deceptively simple turnkey process and toolkit that you can use with your clients, even if you've never done brand strategy before or don't know where to start. Brand Strategy 101 draws from my 25 years of experience working with clients ranging from entrepreneurs to small to medium-sized businesses all the way up to the Fortune 100. So if you're ready to up your game and bulletproof your career and protect your business from the downward pricing pressure of sites like Fiverr and Upwork, then Brand Strategy 101 is the place to start. Just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll in Brand Strategy 101 today. Again, just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll now. Hey, everybody. This is Philip Van Dusen. Welcome back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. I am here today with Brandon Berkmeyer. And Brandon's a seasoned brand strategist, business coach, keynote speaker, and podcaster. With over 17 years of experience, Brandon's advised and directed brand strategy for top Fortune 100 companies, including Apple, Coke, Walmart, and Wells Fargo. Brandon's the founder of the Podcast Branding Academy, an online school for podcasters, and also produces and hosts a top marketing podcast called Brands on Brands, which is ranked number one in personal branding and content marketing on Apple Podcasts. So welcome, Brandon. Hey, hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here, chopping it up about all things marketing, branding, wherever you want to go, I'm in. Yeah. So Brandon and I actually met for the first time just a few weeks ago, actually, in the Social Media Marketing World Conference out in San Diego, where we all came out of COVID restrictions together. So it was cool to meet you out there. What'd you think of the conference? I love it. I love being around people. I love meeting people in my industry. That's how I stay up to date with what's even happening and what the new trends are. I mean, things change every day in this business. So I think one of my favorite things is that I know the people that are writing the books, that are speaking on the stages, that are staying ahead of where the market's going. And those relationships allow me to like stay on top of my game. It challenges me, it educates me, and it inspires me to push myself. So I love those conferences. It's great being back with people. You can only go to so many you know, webinars and video summits. So I was excited to see everyone. And I'll tell you, one of the things I learned when I was there, I stay ahead of the trends, but sometimes you just need something to push you a little further. And everything that was like these short videos that we know is happening everywhere right now, like TikTok and reels on YouTube and so on and so forth. It just reminded me that like, I need to continue to hone my craft just like everyone else does to continue to push the limit on what I am comfortable doing to put myself out there where things are going. And I think that's how we all should be just sharpening our tools every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I've just started to experiment with uh, YouTube shorts because of that. Well, actually, I started before I went, but I think short form videos is obviously where the market's going. And it's interesting to see what's happening in it. 
one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, we were Brands on Brands podcast. As I said before I hit record, I was listening to your podcast and listened to about nine episodes in a row. And you can't say that with a lot of podcasts, but I was walking my dogs this morning and wanted to prep for the interview. And your podcast right now, I looked back in your catalog and you know, you used to do the long form interviews with, with a lot of people. And now you've kind of moved into this, it's basically podcast shorts. And so you're doing like four, six minute podcasts. Talk about that transition. Why'd you move into that? Yeah, it's funny. I almost tell people like, do what I say, not what I do. Because, <laughs> because I am experimenting every day. I literally think, what is something someone's going to ask me? Can I try that? Can I battle test it? Can I see if it makes a difference? My podcast has been everything from weekly to bi-weekly to tri-weekly to every day, long form, short form. And I've done themes. I've done like, I did 90 episodes with no theme. So I've been all over the board because I want to see what works. I want to bring people on. I want to figure out how to help people with this. I love marketing and branding in general. I've been doing it a very long time, but this area of content creation, it just drives my curiosity. So when I'm out there playing with these formats, it is just me being curious about how I can help the community. So like my go-to format for most people I recommend is get a solo show out there that is between 10 and 20 minutes so that you can get your voice heard. You can get your ideas out of your head and you can express your thoughts, your perspective, your ideas that builds your thought leadership. I think anyone who's in the coaching space, especially, or speaking, or an author, or even in a service-based business, needs something where they can get their voice out, their perspective heard. And then I try to pair that with interviews for anyone that is in like the business podcasting space, because interviews is where you get to share ideas with other people like we're doing today, bounce those ideas off of each other and create something completely new that you wouldn't have thought of. And as a host, my job is to bring the expertise of other people to light. So what I'm getting is someone else's brilliant expertise. And I can't be an expert in everything. I mean, I try, trust me. But what I like to do is say, this person who's been looking at Instagram every day and has been helping people every day, what do they have to say about what's new? Or this person that's an expert in blogs or Facebook ads, or even just branding iconology or whatever the thing is, bring the experts in to share those ideas. And now I feel like I have a balanced show. But lately, yeah, myself, I'm getting real creative. I'm like, this week, I'm going to do five things. I'm going to do a brand profile on someone that's really interesting in the news because I want to see if that trend setting thing helps drive listenership. Mm. I'm going to give a tip of the week to see if simple tips help people. I'm going to do a deep dive on a book. I'm going to do a deep dive on a tool just to see what resonates. And then I'll get into like why that helps me beyond podcast listenership because listenership isn't necessarily my goal, but why these strategies came to my mind, why I'm, I'm still excited about doing them. I think that's really great. And when, when I was listening to them, I was inspired for my podcast. I started off actually doing video interviews before I ever had a podcast for YouTube because that was my primary platform. And then three years into it, my admin in the Philippines said, Phil, you got to start a podcast. You got to like move these things over to the podcast. So I was like, okay. And so I did. And it was number one, a lot of work to balance both a YouTube show and a podcast thing. But one of the things that I was really inspired by was what you were just talking about, which is the fact that you're really experimenting with, you know, a profile, a point of view on a tool. You were reviewing a book, you were reviewing, you know, Crush It by Gary Vee, which I see is on your shelf right there. And 
I found that really inspiring. So you're inspiring me. I'm going to try some short form podcast. You know, what I used to do for solo shows was just take my lives that I did on YouTube and strip out all the stuff where I was talking to the audience and just use that content as a podcast. But I've never really done any kind of short form stuff. So it makes total sense. Have you noticed any traction or comments on any of the things that you've been doing in terms of faves of your audience? Yeah, I, I think a lot of the things that are trending, like, like I picked the Tinder swindler, someone to talk about. Yeah, we got to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, things that I'm excited about in culture. I talk about Will Smith, but not about the slap, but really just about you know how he grew his personal brand over time because he's been interesting to watch. But these are things that people are talking about. So just that you're catching the ear of what's popular. For me, I'm interested to make the content. So I imagine like, hopefully people are interested in hearing it because it's just something that people are talking about. And I think that's something that I'd been missing was something that captures kind of that like relevant feel of the now, as opposed to evergreen philosophies that, you know, you can share all the time. Let's move back to your history a little bit. You and I have in common the agency world, right? We both worked with the Fortune 100, the giant soft drink companies, the banks and all that sort of noise. So you were in advertising. I was on the CPG and brand identity strategy front. So you were in it for, you say, 17 years. That's a long stint in advertising for number one. You have very little gray hair for someone who spent 17 years in advertising, first of all, Brandon. And second of all, why'd you bail? That's my big question. That's my favorite question too, I'll be honest. Well, and I I did the same thing, so I'm curious about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, contrary to popular opinion, I actually enjoyed my job and I enjoyed comfort. I'm not a natural born risk taker, believe it or not. And I wasn't necessarily looking for the next big thing. I wanted to just enjoy my life, enjoy my family, live in the lifestyle that I choose and be happy. But what I realized is as I got further down the road and more experienced, you know, I had these great resume, you know, things that I could check off that, as you mentioned, some of them, right? And I was happy with that, but I realized that at the top of the game, at the people that are running the, you know, the Fortune 100 ad agencies, there's only like one or two spots at the table. And I kept hoping, I thought my goal was to get a spot at that table, but it wasn't guaranteed. And every time I got a step closer, I took three steps back because like something would happen that I didn't control. And that kind of helplessness started to become a theme. And I just looked ahead of me and I said, you know, my peers, my mentors, the people that had hired me that were 10 years ahead of me in the business, they were even more in between jobs than I was. You know, I'd see that they'd have a great job and then a company would change over and they'd be out of work or freelancing for a year. It used to be three months, then it was six months, and then it was a year. And I realized that that could be me in the future. And I started to think, well, what is it that is going to make this not happen? What puts me in control of my lifestyle and being happy? And what I came to the idea was that I needed to be my own boss. I need to be in charge of my reputation. So I you know, went down the road that a lot of people went down, which is maybe I'll try building my own business. Maybe I'll try freelancing as a consultant for a little bit and then seeing if that can be something I build to be my own. And what was interesting is it took me on a different journey where right off the bat, when I left corporate, I realized there's a few things that I had missing, right? I had no network to speak of that knew of me in a space where they would hire me. I didn't know I have an entrepreneurial network. I didn't know any business owners. I didn't know any people that were connected to people like that. And I didn't have any specific perspective in the market that I shared that was my own. I had no reputation and I had a great resume, but that isn't reputation. That is a history. 
right? So my, I realized really quickly, I need to figure out how to do this. So I got out there and one of the first things I stumbled across was, let me get these ideas out of my head, share my perspective. And it was blogging, podcasting, and recording videos. And in that like trying lots of things out in terms of creating content, I started to find my way. And that led me kind of towards this podcasting route and personal branding route that I'm on now. But I'll tell you the biggest thing on that road, there was a lot of fear in leaving my comfort zone in leaving that comfortable resume and that, you know, that job that I knew would pay the bills. But what drove me was the fear of being irrelevant and the fear of not building something that I could control. And it's the best step I ever took to invest in myself, to have courage in my own voice and to see where that could lead me. And that's where we are today. I think it was very smart. And as you were talking, I was like, yeah, that was me. I had a couple stints where there was a reorganization, a company acquisition where, you know, I was at a very senior creative role and I was out of work for a year. Then I took another thing. I was there for four years. Then it happened again. Then I was out of work for a year. As a senior creative person like yourself, it's like you wake up at one point and you go, I don't see a lot of 55-year-old creative directors around. And it's a very ageist industry. And, you know, I think that your forward looking viewpoint there was very smart. And you obviously have made the jump sooner than it was critical. What's funny is I would almost say it was like a midlife crisis, right? I was 39, about to be 40 at the time. And this is like four years ago, but I was thinking to myself, oh man, like, what am I doing? Am I okay? Like, is this going to work out? And I started to like change my viewpoint of this comfortable world. And I started to see that like any business worth its merit tries to reduce their costs, right? So it's not like an evil industry. No, it's just the way you make these things work. And at the end of the day, what you want is a bunch of people doing very small jobs at a low price. You know, it removes the artisanship. It removes the experience and perspective side of it. And then you add some managers to that. And I was fearing that, like I was learning these interesting things and I was jumping around enough. So I'd learn multiple talents. I'm trying to be more of a generalist than a, you know, specifically focused. And, but what I started to see in that is that like, I am still being pushed into a management role that isn't built on my reputation. Mm -hmm. And that just, it was something I could not uh, swallow. It was like, it was like Neo in the matrix. And I had to see where the rabbit hole led me. Well, and you're building, you know, when you're in an agency environment, you're not building your own brand. You're building the brand of the agency that you work for. You know, you're building the credibility and the portfolio and the network and the connections for the agency that you're working for. So when you leave that, they're not yours, right? And I think that's a very important point. One of those year period of times when I was in between agencies, I was on LinkedIn and I was, you know, cruising around looking at forum posts and stuff. And I found this one forum post that said, where have all the 40-year-old creative directors gone? That was the name of the post. And there were 1,500 comments on it. And I read through them all. And they were all like huge paragraphs of people who had like transferred or were in the industry. And I was like, wow, this is really, this is really intense. So I think that, you know, that was very prescient of you to kind of see that and to step out and start building that for yourself. And I had a very similar experience. Our experiences in leaving corporate was different, but I have been just as inspired and blown away by how personal branding has exploded and how having and building your own presence and point of view and voice and all that sort of stuff, real estate is so critical. Did you start doing that at all? when you were still in-house or did you make the jump and then go, oh shit, the world's different, time to build something new? Yeah, I think I probably did what a lot of people did, which is instead of investing in my reputation, I invested in like trying to build a website, 
Like I, I probably three years before that started building this website, try to get to know those tools better and building like this fake ad agency that in my mind could be real someday. Mm -hmm. And I got it to look pretty. I had, it, it had some copy on it that made sense, but it wasn't real. It was just something to spend my time on. And what's funny is you, you kind of hide behind that, or at least I did, because I was building it as like, well, if I'm going to go into business for the first time, I don't want them to know it's just me. I wanted to think it's this professional agency. And I would describe myself in the about, but it was always a we. It was like, you know, we, this agency to make it sound bigger than it was. And that's okay, but it didn't feel authentic. And I'll tell you what, that website never made the light of day. It was, it's out there. People can still Google it because I just, I left it there. I use it as like context for, actually, I think I might've lost the domain, but anyway. <laughs> it might've disappeared on its own. It might've disappeared <laughs> on its own, but it just wasn't a, a, a priority. But at the end of the day, like, that's where I started. And I think it was a place for me to hide that was this idea, this like dream of owning something that was my own. But I'll tell you, it wasn't until I left corporate, like that was the first catalyst. Like I had to just say, I need to separate. I need to have like no easy way back right away. And I couldn't do it part-time. So I'm like, okay, I need to just fully invest and see what, where this road takes me. And then second, I was like consulting with people kind of behind the scenes, a couple of different companies. And at some point I was like working for equity and those things would fall through. And I said, you know what? I'm done hiding. I'm just going to turn this thing on. And I like launched a brand new website that was just me. I called it Brandon. My sister's my name, Brandon Brands. And I put my face on it and I said, it's just me consulting, coaching, whatever you need. And let's like, let's work together. And I'd go out and I'd meet people. I'd shake hands and, and I started to release some of those podcasts, some of those blogs. And that step alone just changed the way I think about business and relationships in general and even reputation. So yeah, that, it was that step, that trigger that once I put my name out there, then it was like, well, this is me, like it or not. And let's see where this goes. And I'll tell you the biggest, what I realized is once I started creating content, I needed to figure out what was my way of creating content. And I fell in love with podcasting, which is kind of what took me all in because people started asking me questions like, how did you start a podcast? What do you think of it? Why are you still doing it? Like I started one and then I quit. Like there's people that just, you know, like they do a few episodes and they quit. Uh, what keeps you going? And I, I get all these questions and that path started to lead itself. Like I'm curious about it. People are asking me questions and it turned into its own business. So, you know, that eventually, like I started with a marketing podcast. Like I went 95 episodes that was just random advice for entrepreneurs about marketing because marketing is huge, right? There's a million things you could talk about. And then I got focused. I said, you know what? I really want to talk about content marketing and content creators. So I did a season where I actually designed, okay, like what if I had to write this like a book, what would that look like? And I did a whole season as if I was writing a book and framed all that out. And I did all these episodes just about content marketing. And then I started another season that was just about personal branding, you know, like a step further in for, you know, that specific type of client. And then I went deeper into just podcasting. Like, what is it like to create content via podcasting? So each thing was like a step deeper into something I really was liking at the time until where I like, you know what, I have all this content. Let me turn it into something. My goal was to repurpose some of it into a book, but actually I found that I, I was getting asked so many questions. I should just, I wanted to format it in a useful way. So I repurposed that content into a course. And that course, you know, started to like need extra workbooks and PDFs and downloadable swipe files. And that framed itself out into what is now the Podcast Branding Academy, which has its own life. You know, it's self-study courses, it's personal coaching, it's group coaching. And it's now my main focus. You know, even though I love talking about personal branding, this is like something I can build and talk to people about, which 
become the business. I think that's absolutely awesome. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit BYOL.me forward slash Philip. P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's B-Y-O-L dot M-E forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. You are a killer podcaster. You are all in on it. You have a course, you have a community, you do coaching, yet you also have a YouTube channel. And so you do video. How are you leveraging or is that purely cross-purposing or repurposing your audio into a visual or are you treating it as a unique platform? How are you looking at video? Yeah. Well, I I appreciate you asking that because for me, I think I look at podcasts different than most people, which I think is an advantage. What I think of podcasts, it's not my channel. It's not my medium. It's not my stage. It is my content engine. It is where I start. It is where I most naturally speak to people. It's where I most naturally create. So for me, even if I never actually released it to Apple Podcasts, its job would have been done because I created content. I happened to turn the camera on eventually so that I'm now, I was recording with just voice and then I turned the camera on and said, you know, I can do this with the camera on too. And I think for most people, it's intimidating to have a camera on. So if I could convince you to start a podcast because you're afraid of cameras, then that's going to be your step forward that you're, you know, your baby step towards eventually getting comfortable enough with your voice that you're like, you know what? I could turn a camera on too. And if I'm interviewing someone, I'd love to see their face when I'm talking to them and asking them questions. So it's a great transition. So sometimes you can't jump full into with, with confidence, the right background for your video camera, the right camera and what to say, where to look. So for me, your stepping stone to video could be a podcast. And that podcast for me became what gets transcribed and edited into proper blogs for my website. It gets cut into video for YouTube. It gets sliced and diced into social media content that honestly, I tried to post on social media and kept like running into walls of like, what should I put on here? Like a picture of me with like a cool word in the background that says like hope, you know, like what should I, what should I put on social media? But now it's just, I create once and it goes everywhere else. So for me, it is the creation hub. And video as a part of it, video is just a super useful tool. If you are great at video, start there. But it's a better search engine than podcasts, I think, will ever be. So if you can get your video there, then great. So for me, I'm like, I'm trying to train people that have started podcasts. Okay, here's some things you've learned how to podcast, but here's what's next. Figure out email marketing. Figure out video podcasting and how to use YouTube. Figure out SEO and how to get people to come to your website to read your blogs, because that's where actual traffic is going to come from for this audience you're looking to serve. And if you only hide yourself behind a podcast, you're like locking yourself in a dark room. It's like writing a book and putting it on the back shelf of a bookstore that no one visits. At the end of the day, you have to do the work to put it where people are actually you know, at the front of the store on the front shelf. And that's what these other channels are to me. They are better places to put your ideas on the front shelf. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, when I started off, I started with YouTube just because I'm a designer and I knew that visuals were going to be important. And I just couldn't imagine just doing a podcast and not being able to show people stuff. (laughs) So that's where I started. And then by happenstance, that actually turns into the best repurposing platform there is because you can take the audio for a podcast, you can take the video for audiograms. It just goes on and on. 
So you started off and it was just you. It was your face on the website. It grew into the entity of Podcast Branding Academy and everything that goes with that. I know from personal experience that doing all that repurposing is a lot of work, right? And it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of posting. And so when it was just Brandon, suddenly you realized, oh man, I've got to turn these into blog posts. I have to turn them into social posts. I got to do graphics behind them, right? When did it move from just Brandon to Brandon and a VA or Brandon and a couple of team members? And what did that look like for you? Because I think that that is one of those inflection points that the hardest thing to do for people who do personal branding, because there's a level of control that we have or understanding of how we do things. But giving that over to someone else is a huge leap of faith for one thing. And also it's complex because you've got to give them access to all your profiles. You have to give them access to all your assets. So how did you handle that? Yeah, I think it's a good question. So for me, I think like a lot of people, I tried at the beginning to take this on myself, to learn the tools, to understand how to do it myself. But pretty quickly into it, I was seeing what other people were doing and saying like, I am not there. How do I do that? So I actually found a a coach. Like I started my podcast, I launched 30 episodes. I found a coach who I was like, that guy's doing it really well. I want to do what he's doing. How does he get the guests he get? How does he create the content he's creating? And I hired him. And within a few short sessions, I was like, you know what? I'm starting over. I'm deleting my podcast. It was solo episodes at the time and I'm starting over. And I, I did that. I deleted it and I completely relaunched so that A, I could incorporate interviews into the show because I didn't have interviews and I realized it was a huge miss. And B, I could really ground myself on why I started the show and what I wanted to be about. And I could launch in a way where I tell people about it. I'm like not hiding it. And I promote it in a way where I could be considered for new and noteworthy on Apple podcasts. So there's a strategy and there's an approach to that. And I missed that bubble by just releasing it without any strategy. So I did that and I told people about it. I promoted it. I got reviews, listens that I was for seven weeks, you know, in the new and noteworthy for Apple podcasts. And that helped momentum get started to where, you know, with the right amount of like episodes and content and promotion, I then, you know, was catapulted up to like top 25 marketing podcasts overall. And those kinds of accolades give you confidence. Those kind of like wins help you reach out to the guests that you're afraid to reach out to. And every guest that you get that is you know, a bigger name helps you get someone else that looks at that name and says, okay, this show is for me. So it started the momentum I needed to move down the right direction. And when I had to get to the repurposing side of it, what I said was, okay, I've done this on my own for long enough. When I relaunched, I said, you know what? I'm not editing audio anymore. It's just not my skill. So that was the first thing. I had to get a podcast editor. Podcast is my main format. So I got an editor, low price. I vetted a lot of people and I found someone in Serbia that was willing to do it for a reasonable rate. That's like $30 an episode. That part off my plate. I spent honestly six months, Philip. I was like six months. I'm like, how do I make these systems better? Because they're killing me. Actually, when COVID hit, I was like, I have some downtime. Let me actually figure this out. Looking at it, I was like, okay, I realized there's three buckets. There was rules, tools, and pools is what I called it. I needed to have rules. I needed to know like, what are my things I must have, the things I can't have? What are my steps? What are my processes? People call them strategic operating procedures, right? SOPs. So I figured those out. Like, what do I do first, second, and third? And then what tools am I using to make things easier that I don't want to do manually? You know, when am I using a graphic design tool or an editing tool or something else to process? And then when am I using a talent? You know, I call it a pool of talent. When am I using someone at different phases of the process? No one tells you how to do it. Like no one tells you which pieces to use where. All they say is take your big content, cut it down into a bunch of micro content. And I'm like, thanks, but how, right? (laughs) So 
Uh, it's here's how I do it. And I actually teach this when I, when I'm speaking at like some of the podcasts, the conferences, here's my quickest way to break it down is first I look at projects, right? I say, okay, what can I solve in one project? So if I need graphic design, I want things to look better. I'll hire a graphic designer in one project, create a bunch of social media designs or website designs or whatever it is. But for me, it was like social media and YouTube uh, and that kind of thing. So design it once give me enough templates that I can use it for the next six months or more. And then I can either myself or to a virtual assistant, just fill in the templates, like change the titles, add a new picture, right? But I don't have to be a designer because it's not my skill. So that was one project. Like I said, editing, audio editing, that was a separate one that was done. Graphic design was another. And then when I got to the blog stage, I'm like, I need someone else to write show notes and to write blogs in a way that actually is readable. So I hired someone whose skill was blog editing. For them, I figured out, like, do I want every episode to be a blog or just some episodes? And then how much do I want them to cut down? So I went by project. That was step one. And I'll tell you this. I'll give you guys a little bit like of a sneak peek behind the system to it all. One of my favorite tools for editing audio down to like these magical blogs and YouTubes and social media is called Descript. And you guys might have talked about it on your show before, but Descript, D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T. What it starts out as is just a simple transcribing tool. You put a video inside of it and it spits out a script. And it says, this is all the things you said and typos and all. And what I can do is I can look at that 30 minutes of content. For me, if I record for 30 minutes, it's about 5,000 words. So it spits out 5,000 words on a screen. And I could say, you know, in that 5,000 words, is there some trains of thought is how I think of it. And I'll usually find two to three trains of thought per 5,000 words. And if I just highlight those two to three trains of thought, I'll pick which one I like the best. I pull that out. What the tool lets me do is literally delete things that were not that train of thought. And it deletes the media that is not what I highlighted. So it'll keep a video of just that one train of thought. And now I'm editing 800 words instead of 5,000. And I'm doing it right there in text. And if I delete some words where I stuttered or I didn't like what I said, if I delete it, it pulls that part of the video out for me. I'm not video editing. I am deleting with the backspace on a text screen. And that saves me a ton of time in that raw blog form. Then I give to an editor to say, now change some of the wording to make this readable in a blog format. So if you can just skim something in text format, trim it to a composition and then outsource it to somebody, you now have everything you need to turn that little 800 word video into clips, quotes, blogs, everything you need. And that's how I do it. That is an awesome tool. Thanks. I've heard about that tool and I've actually seen some demos of it and it looks pretty amazing. You know, you just change the text and it like pops out the video and it does a really great job of editing the video too. It's pretty amazing. I used to do it myself, but I figured if I can hire a VA for 10 hours a week or less to do all of that for me and all I do is record, it's worth the money because you can find a VA that just fills in the templates that cuts out the text for, you know, five to 10 hours a week. And they're, you know, for $10 an hour or, you know, in that range, no big deal. Anyone can do it. Absolutely. So we've talked all about the good stuff. What kind of struggles have you had in your career in this transition out of corporate and into your own thing, going through the phases of development of your podcast, of your, of your courses, of your academy, of your coaching, where have there been stumbles or hurdles that you've had to get over? Yeah, I think some of the biggest stumbles were just trying to figure out where my like particular set of talents was going to take me. So, you know, they call it niching down. And I think for me, when I started, I didn't know what to do with that because I was a generalist by trade. For example, for the listeners, right? My last three years of corporate work 
were being media director for Jack in the Box. And it was like, okay, so that's retail, but obviously it's food. So it's like food service industry. So I could say, oh, I'm the restaurant marketing guy. That would have been a niche that I could easily validate my background in. Or I could say I'm a retail you know, or franchise-based business specialist or something like that. And what the problem with that was, it was so specific and I didn't want to be known as the restaurant marketing guy. Like it was such a small piece of such a long resume, right? It was just the most recent thing. So figuring that out took me a, a little bit of time. So what I realized is if I didn't niche down right away, I also had the problem of like people recommending me for things because I wasn't known for something. So I had this struggle of what to do and how to choose. What I realized is if I just create content and speak my mind and continue to move down the path of taking action towards what feels like right for me and like it fits like a good suit, I will eventually be exactly where I wanted to be. And I kind of shared with you where I was, right? Like I started with general marketing and then I moved into content marketing and then I moved further into personal branding through content marketing. And then a step deeper into just podcasting for your personal brand. These are very specific steps that were not my master plan. Mm -hmm. It's what happened through action. So if I had to strategically think about what my niche was and I did, I'd be lost over analyzing everything, analysis paralysis to the nth degree. But what I did was I just started creating content and I used the content and my own voice to guide me. Because what I ended up doing is I looked backwards instead of forwards. And I said, now that I've been creating content, what are the trends? I tend to talk about these same three things over and over again. Well, what if I focused on those and tried to dive deeper into those? So I used my action to dictate the strategy. And what I, I, I describe it as like, instead of like ready, aim, shoot, or whatever, I'm like, like I'm going backwards. I want to take action. I want to see how that makes me feel. Do I like it? Do I not like it? And then analyze it because when I'm analyzing it after I've already got some positive feedback, I don't get lost in my head. Let's talk about that feedback though, because yeah, if you like it, that's going to drive your energy and creativity around it. But then any business has to revolve around what the customer wants, what their need is, how you fulfill that, what their reaction to your fulfillment of it is. So how much did your customer avatar feedback, the success of your content feed into that creation of the navigation of where you moved and evolved to? This is going to be a crazy answer for a marketer. This is going to be a crazy answer. Zero. It was zero. I promise you. Wait, so you didn't listen to anybody? No. Read your comments. You didn't say, oh, they like that episode. I should do more of that. No. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you two things. Like, I know it's, it's kind of a silly answer, but it's true. The first thing was like, when you're starting out, it's like, what comments? Like what feedback? That is true. You're talking to an empty room. Yeah. And that's where most people quit. That's where people do three episodes and then they go, who am I talking to? What's the point? Yeah. Or they'd be listening, but they're mystery because they're not on your email list. Right. So they are out there in the ether. They are random listeners that you have no information about. Yeah. And even if you say, like, leave a comment, it doesn't mean they're going to say anything. They just kind of like listening and going away. So like what feedback, number one. But number two is what I realized is I had to design my life based on my interests. So if I let someone else tell me, hey, I really like that episode you did about how to set a budget for your entrepreneurial marketing spend, that would have taken me down a road. Even though I created that, that would have taken me down a road that wasn't my passion. So I had to listen to like what felt most organically as something that I could actually teach that fit my interest and my expertise. So I kept following that. And what my feedback was, was my own personal interest. I was like, am I passionate about this? 
Am I excited every day waking up to create more content about this and to create more services around this? Am I excited to meet people in the community? And that started to be the, the differences. I was like, who am I meeting that I really want to help? People were asking me, well, how did you start that podcast? Like, that was really cool. Or how did you do this thing? And so that community started to gather around the content that I was already passionate about mm -hmm. and ask me questions. And so in that community building, then I started to ask them, well, how can I serve you? How can I help? It became how I was creating an impact. So I, you know, I call my personal branding framework is literally create content, serve a community, and then make an impact. So like content, community impact, it happened organically because I was true to where I think I could help people. People gathered around it and then I asked them, how can I serve you? And then as I started to help them, they started telling people about it and it just became this virtuous circle. Awesome. Well, Brandon, it's been amazing talking to you and I'm so glad we ran into each other in social media marketing world. I always ask my guests a question at the end and most of my regular listeners know what I'm going to ask, which is, do you have a personal mantra or manifesto that you try to live your life by? It's changed. I tell you these past three years since I've gone on my own, because I used to just be like, be happy. You know, it's like I was very much just happy and do, doing that, but it kind of challenged myself as I got into this new space for it to really be something bigger than that. And I'll tell you what it's turned into. It might be a little corny, but really it is this idea. Don't settle for what other people give you. And that's what I really felt in my corporate life is I was happy, but I was settling for what other people were giving me, whether it was promotions or jobs or like, hey, you have to work late tonight, all of that. And what was funny is I didn't do that in my personal life. You know, like I chased and took risks for things in my personal life for the right, you know, marriage, for the right lifestyle, for happiness, all that. But I wasn't doing it in my career. So when I started to do that for myself in my career, things started to really unlock themselves. So I, I'd say that if I can encourage anyone out there to really find what is inspiring them to push themselves out of their comfort zone so that they are, aren't settling for what they're given, but for what they feel like is right for them, then I've helped someone today. And that would, I would love to hear that story if that happens to someone. Absolutely. To be honest, I thought you were going to name the sign that's sitting behind you on the wall. For our listeners, there's a sign behind Brandon that says, Positively Always Wins. If people want to get in touch with Brandon of Brands on Brands, where do they do that? Where do you want to be found? Yeah, absolutely. Brandsonbrands.com has everything. It has links to my podcast starter kit. If people are looking to have a free way to get going in the podcast world, it has connections to the Podcast Branding Academy, to the show, all that. So just brandsonbrands.com, lots of free resources there for people. They're looking to get out there and build their own personal brand. Great. Well, thanks, Brandon. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you, Phil. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.